Welcome to season two of the Pines and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. This show understands that there is quite a bit of diversity amongst the body of Christ. So we operate according to the motto that certain things are fixed, like the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's going on, beer lovers? We are back with a new episode, and as you saw last time, we gratefully said bye to Clayton. Bye, Clayton. And we now say hello to a dear, dear friend. Hello. My best friend and long, long time <laughs> best friend, Adam Cheney. Welcome the to the podcast. This is not my first time on the podcast, though. It is true, but now you are the co-host? cemented co-host. Cemented? Well, because Clayton said bye. Yeah, you are the new regular voice. Clayton, thank you for this chair. It's warm still from where your uh, body used to be. Um, I don't know how I'll ever fill your shoes. At a boy, at a boy. No, uh, Clayton was great. And when we started this podcast, the way that I envisioned it, because if you, I don't, you know, we got so many listeners, but what this podcast was originally designed to be was it was me, the pastor of Wellhouse Church, being able to give theological voice to those in the congregation that cared. Sure. And so Clayton was a great side voice because he could be the voice of the audience. Sure. He could ask questions. He could give yeah. rebuttals. He was a fantastic voice. Um, now it's just at a place where I felt like this podcast could really benefit from two theological voices having some other conversations because it was beginning to get to a point where it was like repetitive loops. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like, okay, I was about to, you know, it was just at a point where it was like, okay, it, this will benefit a lot from another trained theologian Aww. in the other chair, which I'm like, I happen to have my best friend be <laughs> one of those things. And what better thing to do than have both of us on camera drinking and talking theology. Two white guys talking <laughs> theology. True. I just want to say that I told Cullen that uh, I'm not the best candidate for this. But um, I, you know, Cullen, I used to have a podcast. And it was fun, and I yep. loved it. And I miss it so much, and so Cullen was like, look, I'm firing Clayton. I'm kidding. He didn't <laughs> fire Clayton. Clayton, we love you. I do know Clayton. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he he said, hey, how would you like to do this? And I'm like, I would love to podcast again. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I don't care. Let's talk about it. And I just appreciate that you consider me a trained theo theologian because I feel like you have uh, – I feel like you have far surpassed me in that field these days, but well, uh, I mean, well, I mean, go ahead, give your accolades. You're you're no you're no slouch to the table. That's true. Um, I do hold two degrees in theology. Um, I my undergraduate degree is also from Houston Baptist University, uh, where you went and um, did a theology emphasis there, uh, and loved it. Graduated at the top of my class with honors. Won that president's award. There's a brick on campus there with my name on it, which I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not cool. <laughs> um, and then I uh, went off to Baylor University and got a uh, master's degree, an MDiv, Masters of Divinity. So I am technically, uh, by law, Master of the Divine. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I have the paper to prove it. Not by law, though. <laughs> Hey, come for By me. By accreditation come for me. of a bunch um, of white people. <laughs> try me. Um, so uh, I did a theology degree there as well. Uh, well, I did an MDiv, right, which is a which is a practical uh, degree. But uh, my emphasis was theology and, and world Christian witness. Um, 
and graduated at the top of that class too. <laughs> I won the uh, theology award. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was my world that I was swimming in. And while I did, while I did those four years at Baylor, I was also the senior pastor of a church. Um, so I had a, like a, a practical way to flesh out um, and process out and then teach the theology that I was learning in real time. And um, so, yeah, spent eight years pastoring, eight and a half years pastoring, uh, worked in Christian nonprofits for 10 years. Those were at the same time. I'm not 50. Um, and so uh, have an extensive history in church life, uh, in parachurch life. Um, have written hundreds, I don't know, tens of thousands of pages on theology, have read all of these books too, um, most of them. I don't know, you probably got new stuff on here that I haven't read. Look, old Larry Hurtado, RIP, right? Did Larry do? I don't know. Yes, okay. yeah, yes, RIP. He, uh, a, a large portion of his library is now at Lanier. Oh, there you go. So, uh, see, I know who these people are. I know these things. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't know. What else do you want me to say? Yeah, uh, now I want to, as they know you, we, we've met, We've known each other for eight, nine years, something like that. Yeah. Uh, almost instantaneous best friends. It was yeah. like meeting versions of each other. Cullen was the new kid in class, and I took a liking to him. It is true. That is actually how That's it was. Happened. He just didn't realize that I would bless his life as much as... It's true. Yeah. It's he thought he was doing a handout, and he didn't realize it. <laughs> no, he's no, handing out I was matching. I was matching energies. <laughs> so true. Two peas, one pod. Yep, exactly. Oh, two peas, one pod. Ah. New name. <laughs> Okay. All right. So now, Adam, tell us I'm about I'm funnier your, than Clayton. You are. Sorry. You're I love a different you, kind of funny I love than Clayton. You, Clayton. I love you, Clayton. You're a different kind of funny than Clayton. Okay. Uh, tell us about your history with beer. Why should we listen to what oh. you have to say about beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, first time I can remember drinking beer, I was uh, nine years old, and I drank it out of what I thought was a water bottle, um, and it was my mom sneaking beer. Um, I hope she never listens to this. She's going to kill me for telling that story. It was just a sip and I was like, oh my God, what is this? Sorry. That's probably not the history of beer that you were looking for. Not exactly. <laughs> um, uh, the one time I got drunk on beer was in a, a city park. I was a freshman in high school. Uh, the first time I got drunk. Uh, and anyways. what kind of beer was that? Oh, Bud, Bud Light. <laughs> okay. A great, case, a case great worth. Story, great story. We'd had hot wings before. It was a terrible evening. <laughs> Told my mother I'd been food poisoned at the wings and more. Um, I don't know if she bought it or not. Maybe. Anyways. Uh, okay. So no, when I turned 21, I had this friend. Uh, his name is Ben Chambers. He is still one of my nearest and dearest friends. Uh, he I've, I've met Ben. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He lives in California, so we don't get to see each other very often, but we do talk a lot. Um, but uh, he was a, a beer snob. Uh, he's still a beer snob. Uh, and he would call himself that. And so, yeah, man, we would just hang out a lot and talk theology and drink beer. Yeah. Uh, and so we had a little group of friends that would do that almost on a weekly basis for years. Um, and so he kind of introduced me to Stone, um, this brewer that made this beer here. Um, and so, and I just got really deep into it for a long time, did a lot of brewery tours, went to California, did a bunch of um, brewery touring and stuff like that. And uh, Colorado, I've done a bunch of brewery tours in Colorado and all, all sorts of places. I just, I was really into it for a while. Um, and so I don't drink it. I don't drink beer that much anymore. I, I um, my metabolism slowed down. It was making me a little large and it was upsetting my GI system. TMI, but um, hello, Onyx. You want to be the third person on the podcast? Um, and so 
what was I saying? Beer. Yeah. I, I have an extensive history with beer, but I don't drink it that much anyway, anymore. But, uh, you know, Houston has really turned into a serious beer scene in the yeah. past, like, five yeah. five to eight years, something like that. A lot of good Houston brews. It's all over the place, and my neighborhood has two breweries um, that have popped up in the past couple of years. So maybe it's time to get back into beer. Yeah, it's a, a great time to be into beer. Um, also, and you have a little bit of experience homebrewing. I have homebrewed before with Ben Chambers, the same yep. friend I've, yep. I've mentioned. Uh, yeah, that was... I'll never do it again. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I, I have homebrewed. I would love to still homebrew. I now live in this apartment where we film yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So I can't. Uh, but, yes, I love it's brewing. Fun. It is, yeah, it is a lot of work. Yeah. It is a lot of work. Well, and the best part is, like, you get, you know, when you finally get to drink what you made, that's, you know, yep. the, the reward of that is, like, nothing else. But Yep. So, okay, now, tell me about your beer that you're about to drink. Yeah, so this is... Um, Hello. Do you, you literally want to talk into this microphone, Onyx? Um, this is a Stone Hazy IPA. Stone is a brewery in California. Um, and uh, it is 6.5% alcohol by volume, 12 fluid ounces in a can. I've actually I've had a ton of stuff from Stone. Uh, I've never had this beer, though. So uh, it flavor notes are tropical, citrus, juicy. Got to love a juicy beer. Yes, gotta love a juicy Oh, I beer. see this made with three different types of hops. That's interesting. El, El Dorado hops, pretty famous hops. Uh, Azaka and Sabro. I've been out of the beer game for a while. I don't, I don't recognize those two. Well, we tried a beer, or uh, I had a beer last on this podcast from last week, and it was Flazaka hops, which I'd never, never heard, heard of it. And I still have to do my research on Flazaka. it. So there's some new hop game going on in the same way that there's some new weird stuff popping up in cannabis. There's some weird new stuff popping up Waka in Waka Flocka, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, we'll see what's up. Um, I have a Scottish ale. So to be fair, Clayton and I bought these beers when he and I were doing this podcast. Oh, Clayton, I also now, have your beer. Thank you. Well, technically, you have mine. Oh, 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 oh. and I have one of Clayton's, oh, and then the next one you're going to drink is the one other of one of Clayton's. Okay. So, but this is a beer that Clayton picked, and I got stuck with because I got I let Adam pick. It's a Scottish ale. Um, it's from Galveston Bay Beer Company. Just in full fairness, we've said it time and time again on this podcast. Historically, I do not like the beers that come from Galveston. I don't think they're that good. G-Town. Um, I love Galveston, but I don't think the beer's that great. Uh, so it's a Scottish ale, and it's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, the description it says on the can is, Bullshark is a Scottish ale, also known as a wee heavy, brewed in the traditional fashion. A complex mix of malted barley along with a longer boil time give this animal a smooth malty sweetness and rich color while remaining light in body yeah a great beer that can be enjoyed any time of the year and it's only 6.3 percent abv thank you for the permission to enjoy you any time of the year yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i guess yeah i'm gonna drink this beer whenever i want you know what <laughs> i guess so <laughs> yeah uh yeah they give themselves a lot of privilege to grant somebody I, that you right know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right cheers so. buddy uh cheers ASMR for y'all. This the citrus is legit on this, no joke. It is very tropical. That's the first flavor they put on their flavor notes, and that is literally the thing that hits me in the face. Is 
it's like biting into a mango and then and then drinking a stone IPA. That's yeah. exactly what it tastes like. That's why I picked that beer. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, okay. It's doing exactly what I thought it was. Appreciate you. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's it's uh anything from I've never had a bad beer from Stone. Um I don't it's almost too tropical for me. Mm. It almost covers up the hops on the finish, which is an IPA, so I kind of want yeah. that. But anyways, Interesting. Okay, so typically on this show, oh, sorry. we rate I didn't, the beer. I didn't read so, the instructions. No, we rate the beer. So, okay. we get a scale of 1 to 10. Oh. I need, but autonomy to every person. You get sure. to establish your own scale. But you need, like, you need your baseline beer. So, like, what's just, like, your good quality? Like, this is a good beer. What's that score? Oh, oh, oh. Like, um. What's the reference point? Yeah, so like a, a beer that I would think is good is a good drinking beer, not the best beer in the world, but like just a, a just like a good quality. I'm happy if I have seven. that beer. That's a seven. For okay, me. A seven. that's a seven okay. for me. Um, because also I, allowed the decimals. Oh no! Come on, man, it's too complex. Uh, man, can I go to the one thousandth? No, it? you get oh, one decimal. Okay, okay. one no. decimal. Point. No, um, like a seven, right? Because if I'm gonna spend money on it and I'm gonna take the time to drink it. It better be good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So I'm not settling, but I would put this probably, you know, what's the ABV on this? It's probably pretty light. 6.7 uh, alcohol by volume. This could be really great out at like the lake or yeah. on a beach or um, outside on a sunny day outside or like, like, uh, you know, it's, it's uh four, 52 on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. You know, and you're getting ready for the next, uh, you know, or you're already into the second set oh, of games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and so. Uh, that's, so you're at the three o'clock game. Exactly, exactly. It. Right. Probably forced to watch the Cowboys, unfortunately. Golly. So I go to the other, you know, hopefully there's another afternoon game I can go watch. Uh, that's the time I'd be drinking it. So I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give okay. it a six. It's not, it's not bad. It's a very good beer. Okay. Got it. Um, Mine, kudos to Galveston Bay because it's better than I thought it would be. Okay. It's not near as sweet. It's not it's not like syrupy sweet like I expected it to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. It has malty. some it has some multi body, which I like. It's still a little sweet for my play my flavor. So my like average litmus is six point eight. Okay, okay. Um, like everything just starts at six point eight and you go up or down from got there. Got it, got it. Um I scotch is like this is just not my style of beer, so it's not going to get a great score from me. But it is better than I thought it would be. Uh, I'm going to do like six four. Can you taste the alcohol on it? Not much because it's eight percent, right? No, it's six point three. Six point three. Oh, okay, okay. Because some scotch ales, some scotch ales can yeah. be very hot, and and I like that. I like the bite with the sweet. You know what I'm saying? But if it's a lower ABV, then it's just like basically malt. But it, yeah, 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 exactly. If yeah. it has that, if it has that higher bite with it, right. I need more body to back it. Right. If right, not, right. it just ends up tasting awfully yeah. close to like a weird version of. But you gave it a what? A six what? A six four. Okay. You know, there it is. I really try to keep everything from a six up. Gotcha. Like it, what, I got name a, a one. Name a one. What's a beer you'd give a one to? Oh, uh, we could go back in the logs. I don't remember oh, exactly there, what huh? it is. Yeah, Clayton keeps all the logs. Um. Of all the beers we've tried on here, but there's a beer that, oh, it's the, um, 
Shiner, Shiner, okay. I love you. Okay. A guava fresca or oh, whatever it is it. in I've the variety pack. That sounds pack. horrific, though. <laughs> it got a zero oh, from both of us. It broke the scale. From both of us. And we were like, we will never drink it again. It How is do you, done. So I'm new to the podcast. How do you handle burping into the microphone? I mean, I would not do that. Oh, okay. I mean, if you want to. <laughs> we got, we're looking out for you, audience. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but I just you, know, thought that you, was, you, you. Know, you do the whoosh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is not an ASMR podcast. Oh, okay. Sorry. I didn't read the instructions. <laughs> but, I mean, crack the beer. Yeah, right, right, right. It's okay. For the people. So technically, this is a theology podcast, and I want I want the people to know. They know you got um, a, a good theological education. I did. They know that that education is very similar. The yep. supervisor of my master's thesis, you know, well, actually, to be fair, I probably need to reintroduce myself because you're going to bring a new audience in. Sure, sure, sure. Doesn't know <laughs> me either. Because so. I'm so good looking. Eh. <laughs> yeah, that's why, homeboy. <laughs> so um, I was actually a young into the table. Adam mm -hmm. is a few years older than me. I'm, I was a non-traditional student. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyways, I was a traditional student and HBU had this program where you could get your undergraduate and an yeah. academic master's degree um, in five years. Right. I did that. Right. That time overlapped with Adam's upper level years in the theology program and right. some after. Right. During our time on campus, we shared the same mentor. Yes. We actually got awarded... Um, ethics awards together. That's true. We are we the uh, 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 Young TB Maston uh, Scholars in Ethics 2013. Yeah, 2013. No, 2014. 2014. 2014. That was my spring. final year. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the spring of 2014. Uh, because we spent my 21st birthday. Where'd we, in where were we? Abilene, Texas. Hey, it was the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> uh, we got done at like. I, you know, I turned 21, like, at midnight or whatever. Right. And there was, like, not a place open in Abilene to get a drink. The whole town was closed. The whole the town entire was town was closed. Um, and then the next day we woke up, and it was, like, Sunday. It was. A and the entire town was closed because it was Sunday. That's right. And so we couldn't get a drink until we got to Chili's on the outskirts of Houston. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's. Uh, <laughs> this is not cool anymore. <laughs> let's get a Presidente real quick. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And you're exhausted because you just drove from freaking Abilene, oh, Texas. Oh, man. Yeah. And yeah, it was. What so a, what a weekend. So, yeah, I did that degree. And then uh, Adam left and went up to Baylor. I have since followed Adam there and I am graduating with a different degree than Adam. Right. I'm graduating with a master's of theological studies. It's the academic. It's the same degree that Adam had without the practicals. Right. It's just the theology degrees right. Right. or the theology classes. And I'm graduating with that in December. Right. Yep. Um, so that's our history. So they know that you went from like pretty conservative funding, mm -hmm. yes. not necessarily in the classroom. It was a very good education oh, without at a HBU. Doubt. Uh, and at Baylor, very good education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also want them to know your voice as a person, theology, how you view the world, yeah. what, where you find yourself. Try to give yourself labels as much as I know that's hard. Yeah, I mean... Let them um, know the perspective you're bringing to the podcast. Yeah, so you've probably heard, or maybe you haven't. I don't want to assume on you, the audience, but there is often this um, like kind of, uh, what do you call it? Like a, like a pithy kind of a quibby statement um i forget there's like a word for this anyways it, it, where, where people will tell you well you can't go to seminary because 
it ends up just being a cemetery. Oh right? yeah. What do you call it? There's like a word for that. Anyways. Um, and so I always used to have that in the back of my head. They're like, Oh, you know, I had all these people in my life. that would be like, well, if you go off and get that theological education, they're just going to make you fall out of love with Jesus. And you know, if you, if you go, if you go into that seminary, they're going to put these thoughts in your head and you're not going to be able to, you know, love the Lord anymore and, and whatever. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's I like guess, a mantra. I guess that happened. Because I was definitely radicalized in seminary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's so true. But <laughs> so um, that's, that's a wild way to tell that story, Adam. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I don't know. Go to seminary, but maybe don't. I, I, I just. I, I I do not regret one second of my time that I spend at True Theological Seminary. Yeah. I that is that was one of the most valuable and important and. Um, formative four years of my entire life. I would not take that time back. Uh, I made incredible friends uh, and, and really more than anything, my theological education taught me how to think critically, to ask hard questions, to do qualitative research and to wrestle with, um, to wrestle with doubt, to wrestle with questions, but to be critical. Yeah. And I don't mean that in like a negative, you know, sense that we use kind of just in our general vernacular, but I mean like critical research, critical, right. critical analysis of text, yep. uh, critical analysis of ideas, of policies, of, uh, of, everything. Yeah. Right. And you know, you, you, in seminary, you learn how to read a document yep. um, and, and you know how to analyze a, an argument, right. And you know how to formulate your own, response to that critique or that yeah. analysis right and so and you learn how to do that in a succinct way uh in an appointed way and you know how to make your own argument and so um you know somebody at some point in my life some mentor told me you know like graduate school is really just an endurance race like can yeah. you do the hard work can you make it to the end of the line yep right um and i did of course but uh, what what occurred in okay so this is the way i like to tell the story um, just for context, and I don't know the audience, so I hope we get to know each other and you like me and we become friends, <clears throat> but, um, and I'm not trying to get political here, but I am extremely political. You're allowed to. I, I, Great. I we Excellent. are best friends. Excellent. Do you not think my voice comes well, across? You know, who, know, who knows what that person thinks and feels, but, um, when I entered, uh, when I entered seminary was the fall of 2015, the first two years at of Baylor. At Baylor. Yeah, at Baylor, yeah, yeah. At Baylor. to be fair, that when they hear seminary, I think they may think HBU. Sure, sure, sure. Because, yeah. When I went to Baylor, so, thank yeah. you. When he went to grad school. When I went off to grad school at Baylor, um, it was 2015, and it was the, my first two years in grad school was the run-up to Donald Trump's election. Um, so it was like the beginning of the campaign, like him coming down the escalator and calling everybody in Mexico like thieves and rapists. That's that was ha culturally that was what was happening in the world around me and in, in the country around me right and and at the same time I was pastoring a small church uh, First Baptist Church of Riesel Texas love them to death um, and uh, but I'm a city boy yeah facts right yeah no Adam is definitely I am not I am country to my core um, country to his core and and I masquerade as a city boy. Adam is a city boy through and through and masqueraded as a country boy for four years. Correct. Um, or I, I, they, well, they saw straight through the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Farmers 
Yeah, but he was wearing Don't boots. Buy he, the was, shit. he was yeah. trying to play the part. Well, you know, I'm from Texas. I get to wear boots. Um, <laughs> That's true. Well, you're a person. You get to wear what you want. <laughs> I, uh, damn right. Sorry. Oh, I cut. Um, you're allowed to cut. <laughs> sorry. So the my the beginning of my seminary experience was uh, also watching the cultural bifurcation of our rural versus urban kind of uh, 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 communities, but also like the Republican Party was becoming increasingly Donald Trump centric and, you know, lock up Hillary and like all this stuff. And, 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 you know, um, and there was this, there was this like centralizing of faith communities around Donald Trump. Around the the political game, yeah, and which isn't new, right? I mean, Reagan did that. You yeah. know, Nixon had his. Well, it's own. about the vote. It's about the power that comes with the church. Well, and I just thought in those early days, I was just like, okay, this is like just another one of these situations, <laughs> like evangelical Christians, because I, I was at the front of the room yeah, of the yeah. evangelical Christian world, right? Yeah, I yeah, was on the sure. way up. I was extremely involved in Texas Baptist life. I was on multiple committees. I was on the rise. I was um, a, a, a leadership scholar for. CBF. I, I mean, I was in denominational life. Everybody but the SBC, they can kick a rock. Um, boy. So I was in, you know, what they would call moderate Baptist life, right? Yeah. And very Which involved. Is still just pretty conservative. Yeah, they can also kick rocks, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, but, but the timeline of that was happening. I was like, okay, this is my trajectory. These are my beliefs. But then, like, I start seeing all, all these people. So then Donald Trump gets elected. And the first two years of Donald Trump's presidency are the last two years of my grad, graduate school. So here I am pastoring a church in rural Texas in a town of a thousand people, primarily. And, and how big, okay, so this is big. So note, a church can only be 10% of its city's population. Statistically, that is how we do Normally. church analysis. Yeah, right. Riesel had a town of a thousand people. How many people attended your church on Sunday? About 100. There you go. 110. Pastoring the largest church yeah. <laughs> that his that his community can hold within a single building. Yeah, we were rocking and rolling. We were definitely the biggest church in town. <laughs> you want to take a guess on how many churches were in Riesel, Texas, a town of 1,000 people? Four. Seven. Um, of course. Seven churches. Of course. Uh, three Baptist churches. Two Methodist churches. Um, anyways. All three of those split-offs of one? Absolutely. Yeah. Ours. First yeah. Baptist yeah. Church. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one charismatic church. You know, it's always about power. One Catholic church. You know, This is how it went. Uh, Lutheran church. Anyways. Um, and so, uh, so then Donald Trump gets elected, and he becomes president, and all this stuff is happening that I think is really, really terrible. And every one of the faith leaders and mentors in my life so as this is occurring as donald trump is like solidifying the evangelical base of the country i'm wrestling with you know some of the people on this shelf right uh, i'm trying to pick out a good one right um, you also have theology is on the very bottom but you also have new testament this yeah. is all jesus that's all paul but like i'm i'm wrestling with like narrative you know uh hermeneutics and um like just different and uh, i get exposed to liberation theology i get exposed oh, to so you got like james cone james cone uh Diodos roberts gutierrez. uh gustavo gutierrez major jones uh and then i start reading yeah, wendell, the color of god is wendell berry yeah exactly color of god uh then i start reading wendell berry and i start reading um 
just a, <laughs> a, a, a wider Leonardo Boff, um, uh, a Brazilian uh, um, liberation theologian. Like I start reading widely. Yeah. And I start reading different theological systems. I start reading, uh, you know, uh, womanist theology. I start reading um, uh, Native American theology. I start reading, you know, I just, this is what seminary, Widely. this is what seminary does. Or allows you to do. Allows you to do. But I, you know, and I intentionally pressed yeah, yeah, into yeah. it. And I was also one of the, one of my most important mentors in my entire life is a man named Mike Stroop, who still teaches at Truth Theological Seminary. He exposed me to the world. Um, of Christian witness. And we read people from all over the world. And um, so here I am wrestling with what I personally believe, digesting these different theological perspectives from people who aren't straight white Americans, um, straight white male Americans. And like my 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 vision my perspective my theological perspective is like broadening 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 my love of the person of jesus is increasing as i wrestle with how jesus is perceived in africa in you know southeast asia in uh you know eastern uh europe in south america latin america um and at the same time, I'm watching most of the faith leaders in my life that have formed me and raised me basically reject all of that. And I'm trying to use my words carefully, but like join a Trump cult. Yeah. Yeah. And then tell me that I'm like being indoctrinated by demons. And I'm like, no, I'm reading Major Jones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm working with professors who are at the top of their field yeah. and analyzing documents written by these other people who just aren't Americans. Yeah. Um, and that really created this like seismic shift in my own personal faith. Uh, because I'm also standing up in front of a church every week, taking all of this in digesting this theology, digesting this cultural moment, and then having to put those two things together in front of a congregation full of like farmers. And spending lots of time in prayer about how to join that bridge and not seeing a way forward. And not get fired in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. right? your livelihood depends on this. I live, Literally, I live, your entire life was beholden to the church. Education, income, housing, all of it. Everything. Everything. Beholden to the evangelical church. The, the system. I was deep in the system and they held all the keys for me. Um, and that created mm, severe anxiety and depression. Yeah. <laughs> and not good things. So um, I, it was not sustainable. So after four years of that, I graduated uh, and I resigned as a pastor and um, never went back. And that had that, that just kind of sparked off. I think what I would say now, also, I would just like to, uh, I would like to add a disclaimer right here in the middle of this podcast. Anything I say on this podcast that I believe might change by the next podcast. Oh, they know that because that's my thing too. Okay, great. So, um, but because so, like faith is just ever evolving in my mind, right? Yeah, and it's so a holistic journey. I think where I am today. So, anyways, that just like unraveled me. And I have been, I don't know how we feel about, you know, the whole term and movement, but I've been deconstructing since seminary 
uh, since being at Baylor, really, I think I started deconstructing when I started formal theological education, even back at HBU, because I had to throw off all these like little things that I learned in Sunday school and actually wrestle with the text, right? Wrestle with the theological systems. And so I think where I, I would say I am today now, I would describe myself as a Christian atheist, I, Jesus is still like very central in my life. He is the life and words of Jesus, the example of Jesus, um, the ethic of Jesus is still very central. It's like my North star in terms of my own personal morality and ethics and, uh, worldview. Um, especially in the way that I relate with other human beings and with the planet, the creative, you know, creation. Um, but I just don't know if I believe in some distant higher deity who is all powerful, all knowing and all present. Okay. So audience listeners, what you should hear stone this man. No, what you should hear is he has the same qualms that the rest of us do. It's the three omnis. Your qualms, not with God. Oh, it's my, the omnis of God. My main problem is the problem of evil. Which is because of the because omnis. of the omnis, yes, yeah. but yeah. The, yeah, you will fit in fine here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you Good, will fit you. in fine here. I, I would hate for you to fire me and bring back Clayton. No, 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 no. Not going to happen, Clayton. <laughs> I'm drinking your beer. Uh, okay, so last question I have for you, and you have to answer it pretty quickly because we're already over time. But okay, sorry. I'm, a, I'm, I'm long-winded. It's okay. Um, I often hear you say, I'm probably a Pelagian. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the listeners will know some version of what that term means. Yeah. I want them to know what you mean by that, because I hear you say that quite often in theological well, conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I want them to know what you mean by that. Well, so I maybe not Pelagian <laughs> formally, <laughs> but like uh, moral influence theory, right, is, yeah. uh, is an atonement theory. Uh, like what is the efficacy of Jesus Christ's uh, sacrifice, what, you know, and how does the atonement model, the theological atonement model work for his sacrifice? Um, and so, okay, I'm not going to do all atonement theory, so I was about to like do the no, whole thing. No, you don't no, have to so do it. So I, I think, uh, so I just said a second ago, right, Jesus still remains this very central figure for me. Um and I think that is by way of example. But you're taking a very moral exemplar atonement theory and, and view of Jesus. Yeah. Like he challenged his example, his influence, uh, his example influences my morality. So um, the I don't think I would be a Pelagian in the sense that I don't think that's necessarily eternally salvific for me in a way that it's like, cause I think Pelagius would still say that that is actually the, the salvific work of Jesus is that moral influence. And when you're impacted by that moral influence and you take it up and you align with it, then that is salvation. Yeah. Well, the deal is the reason that Pelagius was condemned as a heretic is because he had this great metaphor and it is a beautiful metaphor, but I also understand why they deemed it heretical. Um, but the metaphor is that we are like a bird and sin is like a rock tied yeah. to the bird. Yeah. And so when you tie you it, it weighs you down and the bird can't fly away right away. Right. But under enough time of the bird getting proper nutrients and working, right. that bird can fly away. Meaning that sin itself does not adhere a yeah. human from salvation attainment on their own. Yeah. There's no, in Pelagian's view, there's no need for Jesus other than example, which the church would say historically that is very problematic. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I don't believe in sin. 
<laughs> yes, you do. You absolutely believe in sin. Maybe do we, you think Adolf Hitler was a sinner? I you think I, the Holocaust was sin. I think we have to define sin. Okay, what's okay? Yeah, what, another what's episode. Sin? Perhaps yeah, another I, episode. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll do it. You're in charge here, not me. So, but that's what I mean by like traditional Pelagi, Pelagianism. There are some parts of it that even I don't like hold on to. What I what I really what mean, I to answer your question directly, what I really mean by that is there is this moral exemplar, moral influence. Um, uh, He's just your case study name for the moral influence atonement theory. Yeah, yeah, and Got and it. I do it a little bit to be incendiary around theological people <laughs> who understand what Pelagianism is and know that it's a heresy and know how it relates <laughs> with why Augustinian <laughs> theology, and so I do it to. to he does rubble. it just to stir the damn pot. Damn right, it's fun. Watch him so react. Look, look at him react. He yeah. made me talk about it. I know. It's so funny. Now, we are about to start. As soon as we stop yeah. recording this one, we're going to film another episode um, for our new series, which I'm uh, affectionately titled oh, yeah. uh, Paradise, Purgatory, and Punishment. It's a, yeah. We're, we're going to offer PPP loans. That's right. That's right. That's right. So um, with that, it's going to be Afterlife Theology and we are going to talk about hell and purgatory and sin. I'm excited. And so we will save that question. That is how we will start the next episode. Mm -hmm. Great beer. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.